Hello friends, Sagan here. Welcome back to Indie Author Weekly, where I share my behind-the-scenes journey of writing and self-publishing books. If you are new to this podcast, I'm a productivity strategist for multi-passionate creatives at saganmorrow.com. I help people manage their time and energy effectively through customized, actionable strategies that work for your unique life and business. When I'm not teaching about productivity to solopreneurs or doing freelance writing projects for clients, I spend my time writing romance novels and occasionally business books. And that is what this podcast is all about, the adventures of the author life. Now let's get into this episode of the Indie Author Weekly Podcast. Today is episode 50. I am so happy to be releasing this milestone episode, and it seems like the perfect episode to answer a question I get all the time from different people when they start reading my books. The question they ask again and again is, why did you start writing this polyamorous passions series? Variations of this question include inquiries about whether I also have a polyamorous lifestyle, where the idea for this series came from, and what made me want to tell these stories in the first place. I don't typically talk much about that here on Indie Author Weekly, so again, it feels like episode 50 is a great milestone to provide some background on it. This is actually going to be a two-part series. Today, I want to share more about the background of polyamory and what led me to writing the books. And in our next episode, I will talk more about the stories themselves. And if you haven't, if you know, if this is your first episode of Indie Author Weekly, if you don't really know much about me or my books, then you know, really the important thing leading into this is just that I write this series called Polyamorous Passions. They are the romance novels that I write. Um, so that's, you know, probably a, a good thing for you to, <laughs> to know going into this episode. And another thing before we get into this episode, I want to add a little bit of a disclaimer. I am always happy to talk about polyamory. And you are more than welcome to ask me questions about it. So please feel free to message me on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is at SaganLives. As long as you are respectful with your questions, I will totally be open to discussing so many different things. I'm a pretty transparent person and I really enjoy talking about polyamory and my personal lifestyle. That being said... I also want to be very respectful of the people in my life, so I am cautious about what I share about various relationships. Just because I put everything out there doesn't mean that they want to do the same. In fact, most of the people that I have romantic relationships with are quite private people, so I'm more liable to speak in vague terms when it comes to them and to give them fun pseudonyms, such as my spouse, who is known all across the internet as Mr. Science. Our mutual friend christened him as such about a decade ago, and it's an appropriate name. He has a degree in dendroecology, of all things, and his work schedule involves him being out in the field in BC for two weeks at a time, and then coming home to Manitoba for one week, all year round. 
Did I mention in previous episodes that I'm based in Winnipeg? I'm not sure, but that's a thing. Hi, I'm Canadian. If you didn't know that already, that's another thing um, about me. There you go. Now, fun fact, a friend that I have known for years mentioned that she didn't actually know Mr. Science's real name until recently um, because she just keeps on hearing me talk about him as Mr. Science on social media. Um, And she's never actually, she still hasn't gotten around to meeting him due to the nature of his work life. So I think that's quite funny. People in my personal life know him as Mr. Science, um, as well as you who are listening to this who might not know me on a personal level. Anyway, my point to this roundabout story is that, you know, Mr. Science is a fairly private person, and some of the people that I've dated don't like to use social media, and they're also private people. And as a result, I try to respect their privacy by not sharing too much about them beyond the broad strokes. So while I am happy to share about polyamory and my lifestyle and my sort of perspective on things and so on, I typically put the most boundaries on what I will or won't talk about based on what the other people in my life prefer, and I just want you to keep that in mind. So again, please feel free to ask any questions, and also just know that I might choose to decline answering some of those questions out of respect for other people in my life. Um, But but please feel free to ask away, and I'll just let you know if I don't feel comfortable telling you um, certain things. So um, with that lengthy introduction and disclaimer out of the way, let's dive into today's topic, which is all about what made me start writing my Polyamorous Passions series in the first place. So let's break this topic down into a few questions. Question number one. Are you polyamorous? The answer is yes, 100%. Now, I see being polyamorous as twofold. First, as an identity, in terms of I always feel like I'm attracted romantically to more than one person at the same time, or at the very least, I always have the capacity to do so. So that's one side of it. And second, I am polyamorous in practice. My spouse, Mr. Science, and I have an agreement in place where we each date other people with the capacity for us to fall in love with other people and have long-term relationships with others. The second question that I get a lot from people is, wait, what is polyamory anyway? Polyamory, in a nutshell, is a type of ethical non-monogamy. It's the concept and or practice of engaging in multiple loving romantic relationships with the full knowledge and enthusiastic consent of all parties involved. That last component is really important. People often assume that any kind of non-monogamy is unethical, but that's just not true. The definition of cheating is that it's rooted in dishonesty. If everyone is aware of the multiple simultaneous relationships, then it's not dishonest. It's not cheating. And really, as long as everyone involved is consenting adults, then where is the harm, right? Now, let's be honest. This question about the definition of polyamory always leads to rather intimate questions. I constantly hear questions like, oh, so it's basically swinging, right? Or, 
okay, so you just have tons of sex with random people? <laughs> okay, well, what sets polyamory apart from other kinds of non-monogamous relationships is that polyamory is really about the emotional connection, and it's about the capacity for opening yourself up to being able to love other people. And I mean, yeah, sex is great. Sex can absolutely be part of it. But it's not all about the sex. It's about the relationships. It's about the meaningful connections. Actually, it was really funny because when Mr. Science first started reading my Polyamorous Passion series, I think his very first feedback was, huh, I thought there would be a lot more steamy scenes, but your books are much more about the relationships between people than about the sex. And I was like, yes, it's about polyamory. Of course there has to be lots of communication. Of course the focus is on the actual relationships themselves. But seriously though, so much about polyamory is really about talking about things, exploring connections, making sure people are on the same page, all of that good stuff. And really, that is why I do include that in my books, right? Because I really want my books to be an accurate reflection and portrayal of real-life polyamory. So, you know, again, sex can actually can absolutely be part of that, but it's not just about sex. By the way, if you want to learn more about polyamory in general, then I have four resources for you. Write these down, or else check the show notes after listening to this episode. Two of my favorite books are The Ethical Slut by Janet Hardy and Dossie Easton, and also Opening Up by Tristan Taramino. I also highly recommend the podcast Polyamory Weekly and the website morethan2.com. So those two books and that podcast and that website will give you a fantastic starting point for learning about ethical non-monogamy. They were really the first resources that I found when I was um, originally, you know, figuring this out about myself and trying to learn more about polyamory. I still refer to these resources on an ongoing basis. So they're really great for um, if you are brand new to learning about ethical non-monogamy or if you've been doing it for a while but you want refreshers on it or um, or you want, you know, more sort of thoughts and ideas, or you want to revisit some of these things as you're going along your journey. Um, they're just fantastic resources across the board. Okay, moving on to the next question I often get, which is regarding the logistics. Question number three, how does polyamory affect your relationships both with your spouse and with the people in your life, as well as with your business. Mr. Science and I have always had a very strong and healthy and stable relationship. When we decided to open up our relationship and be polyamorous in practice, it was from a place of, this is an adventure and it's a wonderful opportunity to connect meaningfully with more people without restrictions on how emotionally invested we get with them. As such, it has been amazing. We did not open up our relationship from a place of trying to fix something within ourselves or within our relationship. And personally, I actually think it's a little problematic if you are opening up your relationship solely because of an issue in your relationship, right? 
Um, so like, it's just like if you, you know, you see, like if you hear about people who have issues in their relationship and they decide, oh, it's, let's move in together. That'll fix our problems or let's have a kid or let's get a dog or whatever it happens to be. Like opening up your relationship is not a solution to a problem. Um, so I do want to keep that in mind. And really for us, because we are so focused on, because we have been right from the beginning, so focused on opening it up from a place of stability and health and happiness, our relationship and our experience with polyamory has been really beautiful. Everything's just grown really in a very lovely, uh, lovely and loving way. And I think it's also helped Mr. Science and I communicate better than ever with each other. Whereas I wouldn't have said before that we ever had a problem with communication. I never thought that we had an issue with our communication. Um, And I, I still wouldn't say that we used to have problems with it. But when you are polyamorous, you're, you have to communicate on a different level. And it's just, it's really interesting that it gives you this opportunity to cultivate your communication skills. I also want to note that Mr. Science and I have now been together for over 10 years. We opened up our relationship a couple of years ago. We love each other very much and we live together. He started working out of the province for those, you know, two thirds of the time, um, with him being out of the province for two weeks and then coming home for a week year round. He started doing this sort of schedule maybe a year or so before I realized that I identify as polyamorous. And it's really important to acknowledge here that we don't have an open relationship because he works out of the province. If he suddenly began working in Manitoba full time, we wouldn't magically become monogamous again. That's not what we want. Rather, him living and working out of the province gives us the space and opportunity to realize that this is what we wanted from our lives, right? So it really gave us that space that we um, to, to recognize this. So we aren't doing this because he works out of the province. It's just that it gave us that opportunity to take that step back and realize that this is what we want. So for our relationship, how we kind of navigate things, um, you know, we talk to each other about the people we're seeing. We're always very transparent. As soon as we um, start seeing someone or it looks like something's going to unfold, then we tell each other right away. Um, we've seen each other's dating app profiles. So we've, we've taken a look at them. We've shown pictures of, to each other of the people that we're dating. Um, and then we tell each other, oh, wow, like they're beautiful. Like, good job. You know, it's, it's, very, um, it's very supportive. We are also very candid with each other. Uh, if we notice red flags about someone that the other person is interested in, that's really important. And Mr. Science and I also encourage and support each other in pursuing people that we think are a good fit. Again, it's all from this very loving and supportive place. We also have a whole list of boundaries that we revisit when we're seeing someone new. Um, So those are, you know, I don't like to use the word rules because they're... um, you know they're they're negotiable, right? And they and they change as we as we grow with this relationship. But it's a whole list of boundaries. So it's a list of the things that of these sort of parameters around our polyamorous polyamorous lifestyle and relationship, just so that we can both um, 
really feel like we are on the same page with everything and to ensure that everyone comes into it uh, with the full understanding and knowledge of what we're looking for um, and so everyone has a very safe secure feeling all of that kind of thing so all of this is working really well for us and it also seems to be working really well with the people that we're seeing we've had some um, we've had some really great experiences connecting with other people now, at the top of this list of boundaries or agreements, or if you really want to use the term rules, rules, then um, at, at the top of this list of boundaries that he and I have made, we have written this little manifesto, which is basically the driving force of our polyamorous arrangement. So I wanted to share this with you. It's just two sentences long, and to me, it's what it is all about, and it's just, it's a really fantastic thing to all, for us to always keep in mind throughout our lifestyle and relationship. So this is kind of our, our manifesto. Personal happiness and fulfillment is the goal. Live a life with no regrets. Our relationship and we as individuals supports that. So that's our manifesto. And if you are opening up your own relationship, you might want to come up with a similar manifesto or set of guiding principles. Okay, so that's how polyamory has affected my relationship with Mr. Science. As far as for how polyamory has affected things in my personal and professional life, well, it's had some mixed reviews, um, but mostly it's been very positive. Some people in my personal life have had a bit of a harder time grappling with it. And some people in my business um, some people have told me that they actually stopped following me. They stopped following my business because I'm polyamorous. So after I came out as polyamorous, they, you know, unsubscribed from my email list and actually sent me an email telling me that that was the reason why. And yet, other people in my personal life have stepped up and been there for me in ways I couldn't have ever, ever even imagined. And also... So many people have messaged me from a business standpoint to say how much they admire this about my business and how much they love that I'm willing to talk about this and even how me being open about this has helped them learn stuff about themselves. I think that's really just incredible and amazing. So overall, it has absolutely been a very positive and very beautiful experience. You know, the vast majority has just been um, so much love and support from all directions, both in my personal life and my professional life. It's truly incredible what, what can happen when we embrace who we are and give voice to that and share it with the world. People can just be incredibly receptive to it. Okay, moving along to the next question I want to address today. Question number four, what made you want to write fictional stories about polyamory? One of the things that blew my mind when I first realized I identify as polyamorous was that it took me so freaking long to figure this out about myself. And when I analyzed that, it occurred to me how much monogamy is just constantly treated as the norm in our society. And also, in the contexts in which non-monogamy is portrayed in our society, it's either A, not ethical in the case of cheating, 
or B, portrayed as a love triangle where people are forced to choose between two love interests. Or C, it's all about the sex, such as with swinging or or threesomes. Or D, it's in the context of throuples, in which case three people are all involved with each other. Or E, it's portrayed in entertainment with a fantasy or science fiction setting rather than a contemporary backdrop. And in the vast majority of settings, it's portrayed in a dramatic sense where jealousy and conflict are at the core of the story rather than it just being a chill, loving situation. When you really look at the media and entertainment, ethical non-monogamy is generally not featured in the context of it being a loving, drama-free opportunity for people to have emotional investments and romantic relationships with others outside of their primary relationship. And that is what made me want to write fictional stories about it. Because the more that I researched it, and the more I lived it for myself, the more I saw how little this very beautiful lifestyle is portrayed in the media. And I thought, if I had seen this as a viable option in the media and in in entertainment years ago, or if this was part of normal society and it didn't have so much stigma around it, then maybe it wouldn't have taken me so long to figure this out about myself. And I also knew that I couldn't be the only one who feels this way. So in that sense, I was really compelled to write fictional stories about polyamory that made it accessible for more people and helped people understand the reality of ethical non-monogamy in a very non-threatening and entertaining sort of environment. Plus, I've always wanted to write novels. I always have written novels from the time I could hold a pen. Now that I had a really important message I wanted to share with the world, it just felt right to finally commit to writing a series of novellas and actually finally publish them. And that is how my Polyamorous Passions series was born. Stay tuned for next week's episode in which I will share more details about the Polyamorous Passion series specifically, plus why I chose to write V-style relationships instead of throuples, as well as how representation fits into this, into this series, and more. And if you don't want to wait until the next until next week's episode and you're curious about these books, then you can learn all about the Polyamorous Passion series by visiting saganmorrow.com slash books or just typing in the keywords Polyamorous Passions to your favorite online bookstore, Kobo, Amazon, whatever it happens to be. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Does this answer your questions? Do you have any other questions about polyamory or about my lifestyle or anything you would like to share about your thoughts on polyamory? I'd really love to know whether this is a topic that you would like me to share more about on this podcast, or if you prefer that I stick to talking more about the indie author journey, your feedback is always, always welcome. Please feel free to connect with me at SaganLives on Twitter and Instagram to chat about it. And you can send me a message on either of those platforms if you have requests for future episode topics too. The more you tell me what you would like to see more of on this podcast, the better I can accommodate that. 
You can also submit your questions or topic ideas anonymously at saganmorrow.com question. If you enjoyed this episode, please take two minutes to share this podcast on social media and rate it on iTunes. Anytime you share it or leave a rating or review, it helps more listeners find the Indie Author Weekly podcast, so every bit counts. I really appreciate your support. As with all the episodes here on Indie Author Weekly, you can access complete episode transcripts, sample chapters of my books, and a few other bonuses and goodies on the secret version of this podcast at saganmorrow.com slash secret podcast. So hop over there to check it out. Thanks so much for tuning into the Indie Author Weekly podcast, and I will see you in the next episode.